Good afternoon, everyone. I'm your host, Ivana King, and you're listening to Tuli Tales. For our new listeners, Tuli Tales is an all-content radio station where our team will interview Tuli members from all backgrounds, play some entertainment from live music to the latest and greatest hits. Tuli Tales is a space created to share a breadth of experience among our listeners and our personal favorite, unpopular opinion. As you listen throughout the show, there will be opportunities to call in for questions, and perhaps in the future we'll have some trivia. Just dial 3111 and we will have you tune in. We have our entire radio crew in the studio today. We'll start off with uh, Sergeant Greco. Hello, I'm Sergeant Greco, 821st uh, Support Squadron from the great state of Michigan. Go Blue! We also have Stepping Up. Hi, Sergeant Weaver here, uh, Thomas Weaver from uh, 12 Swiss, and I hail from the great state of Georgia. Great state of Georgia. And you have Chaplain Alan Finley here, coming from Chicago, Illinois. And I'm from Brooklyn, New York, for those of you that already know me, uh, Sergeant King, 821st Spitz. Okay. Well, you guys, today it is my pleasure to be able to introduce you to Chaplain Alan Finley. Chaplain Finley, thank you for joining us today on Truly Tales. Our team is incredibly stoked to hear about your story, and I know our listeners are ready as well. Chaplain Finley, before we start the interview, will you briefly share a bit about yourself? Well, as many of you know, I'm prior enlisted. I have been at Thule for about six, six months now, or maybe longer. I know that the sun is coming up, and so I'm pretty excited because one day that means that we'll all be going home, right? Well, anyway, I'm from, like I said, from Chicago, Illinois, and I'm looking forward to just kind of sharing my story. I uh, had three different um, enlisted career fields, and now as a, a chaplain here at Thule. Thank you. You know, everyone has a story, stories that compel us to change directions, stories that changes our lives. Chaplain Finley, what is your story? Oh, my story. You have heard my story, so you're being a little unfair here with the question, right? Just a little. Yeah, just a little. So, of course, as we talk about Thule Tales, everyone has a story, and I think that a lot of times we get so enamored with the product, but we don't think about the process that made us a story that makes us the person that we are today. Well, my story, of course, I come from Chicago. I told you that, that great place in Illinois, the land of Lincoln. And I remember growing up and I was, um, I had a kind of a tumultuous childhood and I think everyone, some people might be able to relate to it. I remember my earliest memory was about three or four years of age. And it was my brother, my sister and I, we woke up and it was three, I was three years age, actually three years old and we woke up with a hangover and it was uh, the day before Christmas and so it was a kind of a, a rude awakening and then that kind of led to this uh, very bad abusive background and a long story short I ended up um, having to um, go to foster homes because my little brother was uh, murdered and I know some of you are listening to the radio tuning in and saying wow it's a little bit it's a little bit rough um, and then that, once my little brother died by my stepdad, then my mom kind of took the blame. So that kind of led to us um, going to foster homes, jump, skipping around a couple of places, and then finally we landed with my mom's mom. Is that clear? It is. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And then, um, and then from there, we kind of spent the majority of that childhood in, in uh, south suburbs of uh, Illinois, and that was called... Uh, Robbins, Illinois, and so I lived there, and it was kind of a rough uh, little environment. Um, I was sharing with someone this past week of the food that we used to eat, uh, or the lack 
thereof when it comes to food. Um, so there are certain foods that I still don't like, and maybe I'll share that another day, uh, another time and another day. Well, anyway, but that um, led to, uh, as far as growing up, uh, we didn't have much food. I ended up sleeping on the floor with roaches and everything else. But uh, my mom did get out of prison, um, think, and she had some type of faith experience. We'll put it like that. She said that she became a Christian. She was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, um, and before when she was out on parole, I'm kind of jumping all over the place here. When she was out on parole, um, she took us out to uh, church. I didn't know what church was. I knew her boyfriend was probably the meanest person I had ever thought of. So when they said devil, I was like, there's no one that could be meaner than this person. And um, and this guy was the epitome of mean to back up in that story. He used to, um, I saw him, you know, physically abuse my mom. I saw him one time take a bullet put it in a gun, spin the revolver, and point, and click, 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 as he was, um, and at one time he shot my mom right in front of me, so it was a very, that, coming from that experience, and living in that environment, and then um, watching him as well, one time come home, while my infant brother, the one that passed away, um, he would be high on whatever drug of his choice, toss him up to the ceiling, let him drop, um, and then, and my little brother was only an infant then. So it was kind of, those kind of memories never kind of leave your mind. So you have a, a strong impression from that. So when I finally got to my grandmother's house, um, sleeping on the floor didn't really bother me. Um, probably not having a lot of food sometimes, that probably bothered me, you know, because you're, you know, <laughs> somebody growling, yeah. But um, other than that, it was kind of like, it, it's just normal. Um, a lot of tension in the household, a lot of... Um, profanity, a lot of verbal abuse in the household, but I kind of had my sights set on joining the military, and don't ask me why, joining the military, the Air Force in, in particular, had an uncle in the Army, and um, those of you that have been in the Army or, or want to go in the Army, or I, I, I bless you, thank you for, for your service, that's all I can say, <laughs> but I knew I wanted to go um, Air Force, aim high, and so anyway, I joined the Air Force at the age of 18, and really kind of just kind of left that home in Chicago. Um, so when I got to basic military training, I had my own bed for the first time in my life. I had three square meals a day. And I also had um, somebody to wash my clothes, change them. I mean, wash my clothes, bring them back to me. All I had to do was fold them up. I, I thought I was living large. And then I had, on top of this, I know this might sound a little bit crude. I don't know if you could say this on the radio, but then Again, we can say whatever we want to, right? <laughs> Within reason. Uh, but I had five changes of underwear for the first time in my life, and I was just really excited to have that. So basic training was an easy six weeks. I uh, spent that, of course, in the, in the great state of Texas, in San Antonio. And then I went to uh, tech school where things started changing a little bit. So that's part of my story. Well, thank you for sharing that. Definitely takes a lot of courage to be able to you know, speak about that openly after everything you've been through. Um, I can't imagine how challenging that was for you. Um, what lessons did you learn at a young age that you still practice today? Well, some of the lessons, I guess, um, thinking about it, and I probably only gave you the very bare minimum Cliff Notes version. It's about a two-hour story, so that was the, the bare minimum. If you ever want to hear my story, I'll take you to Dundas. You can pay for your own meal, and we can, uh, and we can, and I'll share the whole story with you, unedited, two two-hour version. 
uh, if you want. But I think some of the lessons that I learned um, kind of growing up, I there's this appreciation that I have. Uh, for instance, um, when when I wake up in the morning, I have to make up my bed. And people's like, why do you make up your bed? And then um, I remember when I got married, my wife was like, um, she, she got up and I think she just went to the restroom for a second. I didn't know she was coming back to bed. It was a Saturday. I made up the bed because I was, you know, I was up. And she said, why did you make up the bed? And I said, because I finally have my own bed. And so every day I wake up my bed and I know there's a book that says, make your bed, you accomplish something. But for me, making up my bed always reminds me of that appreciation of having something, having something very little that I think a lot of us take um, for granted is, is just a bed. And so even if it's hard and then um, this particular bed is, it, I have a great bed, but uh, my feet hang off. So I'm looking forward to getting home and being able to have a bed that um, actually fits. But that's another story for another day. But but appreciation. So I, I try not to complain. I try to always have a, a very appreciative attitude or, or be very grateful for everything I have. Like I know sometimes we walk in, like um, you go to a, a cafeteria or someplace where there's uh, food being served. It's easy to kind of say, well, they don't have what I want. But then I think about how many times I uh, went to sleep hungry and trying to mask my appetite with candy and stuff like that. So I, I just really have an appreciation for everything I have. Um, I was enlisted for so long, uh, and I think this will <laughs> will have another uh, story. I was enlisted so long, and I remember the first time I put on my my ABU top and I had my little bars on and I was so excited. I was like, yes, I can't wait. You know, I'm going to have somebody salute me. And I remember uh, being enlisted and you didn't hear this from me, but I used to run from officers at times when I was a, a dirtbag airman, um, you know, because I didn't want to salute. Uh, hopefully there's no one out there that's like that because there are people here to help you, uh, particularly the first sergeant. <laughs> So, um, but anyway, I remember I, I had put on my blouse and I wasn't paying attention and I walked in front of the mirror and I was ready to salute myself because I was like, wow. And I just remember, I was like, what a weight of responsibility I get to have. What, what an awesome privilege I get to have to be an officer in the military. So there's all these little things that now that are such a big thing for me as when it comes to just having appreciation. So I think a part of that, kind of like that part A of my story really helped me to have an appreciation for things. Well, that's incredible. Thank you. Um, you. You spoke about different career paths. Uh, what keeps you motivated, and how did you go about choosing the career path you're in now? Oh, that's a very good question. I don't know if the path chose me or I chose the path, one or the other. So I started off as a bomb loader, F-16. Um, for, for whatever reason, I knew I didn't want to do that, and it was kind of a dead-end job, uh, no pun intended there. Uh, we, we should have a dad's joke section, you know, for <laughs> just in the future, best dad jokes. But anyway, that's another story. Um, and then I cross-trained into um, communication, so I was working on computers, and that was a very uh, fun career field, enjoyed that. But then um, kind of during that time, and I guess after the next uh, break, we'll come back to this part B of my story. Um, I, I cross-trained, once I cross-trained, then I was uh, called into the ministry, and so I knew I was getting out the Air Force, I was supposed to get a medal, didn't get the medal, because they were like, well, you're a first-time airman, you can only get this medal, so I was like, I'll never earn it, so I'm getting out the Air Force, and shortly after, I was uh, called into the ministry, so um, I was like, okay, I was uh, started studying the ministry, so I got out of active duty after six years, and I went into uh, the reserves and the reserves world was a, a very different world for me. 
and I was supposed to cross train again into medical administration, no, medical supply, and I didn't do that. And then I took a year off because I just got married. My wife was a widow with three, three boys, and then we had, um, and then uh, we moved cross country. I was working 40 hours a week, and I was going to school full time, taking 15 hours or more, and so I really had a lot going on. So I had to step away from the Air Force and I really hated it. It was like the worst, longest year of my life. And I told my wife, I was like, I just need to get back in. And so she was like, okay, go back in. And so I joined back in and I was an air transportation specialist. Um, wow. <laughs> that was the career field I hated. <laughs> oh, can I say that? <laughs> I don't know if you can say that on air, but you have to know what you hate in order to know what you love. And so um, throughout, throughout what I was um, doing as far as like in my, um, career fields and um, it kind of kept leading up to because I knew I wanted to help people and and going into being a pastor I had no really didn't want to be a chaplain um, God and I had this kind of agreement he wouldn't ask and I wouldn't volunteer and mm. so I was like okay I don't want to be a chaplain but it's like uh, the longer and I guess the um, the path there's never a straight line between two points um, in life and I think everyone knows that there are some valleys there's some mountaintops there's some snow there's a dark season <laughs> there's a light season though too um, and so um, through that path though it was like a, it was I, it just kept pointing to this door of being a chaplain and so um, 2008 I became a chaplain candidate and that was a, another long story for another day again if you if you catch me I'll take you to Dundas and you can pay and then I'll t share with you the story and then uh, anyway and so that led to anyway um, me joining and uh, becoming a chaplain candidate and then um, eventually becoming a uh, reserve chaplain at Patrick Air Force Base so thank you thank you with that we're gonna go ahead and take a few minutes for a break and tune back in too thank you very much Hello, Tuli, and we're back with Tuli Tales. Uh, we have Chaplain Finley with us today and our studio crew. Um, so. And I was sharing my story. And, oh, I wanted to ask, I guess we have this unpopular opinion. Remember we talked about that for a little bit? Well, I want to mention that briefly. During our unpopular opinion segment, that will be stories that you have never heard of before. It will be uh, probably opinions that are shared that is that's shared from the person that's speaking and it will be a very probably those things that you don't mention they're not there to change and uh, or they're not mentioned just to mention it and to kind of leave a you know drop the mic and walk out the door no they're gonna make their point and then we're gonna try to persuade their mind we're gonna try to come up with solutions we're gonna try to provoke thought to say how can we make this unpopular opinion something that can work or something that we need to work on and that could just be as a, um, a as a person or it could be something that's very popular or unpopular when it comes to a, a larger item so that's just a little teaser for what's coming up and um, I heard there's some very good stories so I wanted <laughs> to stop with that thank you Chaplain Finley uh, so going back to your story um, an incredible story by the way it's very moving uh, you were talking about your career path what uh, the career path that you're on right now and that you have what challenges did you face in order to get here 
Yeah, that's a good question. We were talking during the break uh, about this. And um, in order for me to kind of tell you about the challenges that I face, I really need to pick up from when I went to tech school. And during tech school, I remember my mom who had gotten out of prison, she she wrote me a letter and she said, oh, she was pregnant and that she was about to have a child. And I remember that was a, probably um, kind of a momentous occasion for me. You say, why was that momentous? Everyone have children? But because she was a little bit older and she was having this child, the child was going to have to have one of her kidneys removed because there was a, a mast on it. And that was the first time in my life that I really considered like death. And how would that affect me? And then I remember I was in bad um, relationships, imagine that, and I really had a tough time in tech school uh, just because there were a lot of changes going on, a lot of pressures going on. And I remember looking outside my tech school door and I remember seeing a chaplain's office and I said, I'm not going to a chaplain. And I didn't go to the chaplain, but I was in such turmoil. So I got to my first duty station, Edwards Air Force Base, and sunny California as the uh, <laughs> as the rip said and I, it was yeah it was sunny it was the middle of the desert and I got to Edwards Air Force Base and that first Sunday this guy invited me to church and I had not been to church in a very long time a very long time I think I, w I only went one time in tech school no no not tech school I didn't go in tech school because Sundays were for doing other things um, but I went um, one time in basic training and I decided, well, you know, he's not really preaching from the Bible. I think I can just fold clothes. And so I had GI parties every uh, Sunday. And then so one, but at Edwards Air Force Base, this guy invited me to church. And I know that might sound like a very unpopular thing, but I will just have to kind of say it. Um, he invited me to church. I said, yeah, I'll go to church with you. I'm really excited. And then I said to myself, whoa, hold on. I said, I started thinking to myself, and this is kind of a crazy thought to even think out loud. I said, wait, you're not the same race as me. Um, hold on, what kind of church is it? He says, a Baptist church. And I thought to myself at the age of 18, I have never seen anyone that's non-black in a Baptist church. <laughs> I thought to myself at the age of 18, all whites were Catholic and all blacks were Baptists. I don't <laughs> know why, but that was my, my thought. And so this is... Um, and that's the beauty of our, uh, of our um, um, country. That's the beauty of really the military, the diversity that we get to experience. And so I went to church that Sunday, and I remember I walked into that church, and it was a military church. And so I was like, for whatever reason, I, I was like, wait a minute. These guys are meeting in a daycare center. Strike one. Uh, these guys were singing from a hymn book. I don't know what a hymn book is. Strike two. And then the, the congregation was mixed. I was like, this is strike three. I was like, I am never coming back here again. But he had preached from the Bible, and that was the first time I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I was so convicted. The guy that invited me to church was unsaved, and I said, you know, as soon as the service was over, it was over in an hour. I couldn't believe that. And I was like, you want to go? And he said, yeah, I want to go. And uh, the pastor tried to invite us to his house, and I was like, oh, no, I can't go to the church. I can't go to your house because uh, I have to go wash my clothes. And I had just washed my clothes. We, we had that conversation the day before uh, when he invited me to church in the laundry room. So I, I just need to wash my clothes one more time. They weren't clean enough. And so anyway, um, we... What would you... I'm sorry to interrupt. What would yeah. you say was the, uh, like the catalyst to like you guys going to church or him asking you? Uh 
funny that you should ask that question. He went to check out women, and I was kind of going to do the same thing. I was single at the time. I know, can't imagine. This is your chaplain. And, yeah, talking to you. <laughs> but that was that was the catalyst. And he had friends from tech school that was helping to plant this church. It had just started like six months prior. And I was just thinking I needed to hear some good music, and maybe that would help um, because I had a lot of different things going on at that time, even at the age of 18. And so, yeah, so that was, wow. <laughs> thanks for asking thanks that for question. Being honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we had, um, so anyway, but that, that um, Sunday night, it was in January, that, that's when I uh, became a Christian. I asked the Lord to be my Savior, uh, Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And then from there, I thought everything was going to just be fine, but I could not go back to that church. It was just a, it was a real hard thing for me because um, kind of growing up the way I grew up and um, my grandmother, um, I didn't mention her uh, earlier, but she grew up in Mississippi. She grew up in segregated Mississippi. And um, as we were getting close to um, uh, Black History Month, and she was very, which I didn't know at the time, I could say she was prejudiced. She, she just, um, she grew up picking cotton. Her grandparents came from Africa as slaves, or great-grandparents came from Africa as slaves, so she was very prejudiced. She was like, well, you shouldn't go to uh, church with white people. It was just a lot of those things that were constantly in the back of my head. So I had to kind of work through that, and the military um, has been and continues to be a, a place for us to work through our diversities, face our fears, and then also to kind of say, how can we um, improve not only um, the env work environment that we have, but really the culture at large by... Was there was there any adjustment that you had to make, like, coming yes, from that life? It, it was a big adjustment, uh, because I think as my grandmother started stating these facts of mm -hmm. like, oh, you can't trust this person, you can't trust this person, and I really had to kind of go back to that quote of Martin Luther King that, that we are not judged by the content of our can skin, but the, but our, uh, but our but by our character, and I know I kind of uh, <laughs> flopped that statement, but yeah, but it was really not being judged by the content, uh, well, the color of our skin, but the content of our character, that's the statement, and really, I had to learn that as well, and so, um, and so slowly, as I started meeting people that were of a faith background, people, and, um, and really, for me, it was a real slow process, it was nothing that was instant, so from that uh, moment of in uh, January, it took me about three years before really any remote kind of fruit. I, I went to church maybe every fifth Sunday and church and, and, and I would say God in my life was not a big deal. Mm. So what I would do as far as like I would, um, I would just, I did everything I wanted to do. I was miserable, but I remember one time my mom gave me a call and she called me up and she was like, Hey, I got cancer. And I was like, Whoa, what kind of cancer is it? She was like, it's uh it's malignant cancer. I was like malignant. And then, that kind of like took me back and I started saying, oh, I need to take everything to God. And it was kind of like this strong support system. Even though my mom was in prison, we were very, very close. And so I was like, well, I, and it kind of dawned on me for the first time, I, I wouldn't have my mom around. And so I was like, well, I, I kind of, and maybe I did a little bit prematurely. I probably said to myself, I probably need to stop depending on mom and I need to start kind of depending on myself. and. Um, so I stopped taking everything to my mom, but we were still close. And then that led to uh, maybe that December, she really wanted me to come home. And at this time, I did what every airman would do. I had gotten a car that I couldn't afford. I was in bad relationships. I was not the best airman when it came to work-wise. Uh, work um, 
I so I was <laughs> there's no way that if you would have talked to any of my supervisors then they would have said he him being a, a chaplain absolutely <laughs> not <laughs> and so um and even any of my friends and so um some, sometimes God has a sense of humor and I'm here to 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 show you <laughs> he does it so that led to me um I went back home and my mom was trying to pay for her own, her own um cancer treatment and and that was a, a real difficult time and so that and you know just seeing my mom like slowly waste away from cancer was uh really difficult and then uh went back and so the so now it's um uh fast forward to april as i'm back at edwards air force base i get a phone call red cross met uh, notification hey your mom has um terminal cancer and she's gonna uh, pass away and that right there was probably one of those um i would say a very low point in my in my life um and i remember but at this point you know as far as like my own personal walk with um god um it was I was really far away from the Lord. I wasn't going to church. I was doing my own thing, and I remember driving my car, and I was um, driving a 1.4 liter cylinder <laughs> uh, Honda Civic that I just bought. And I was, uh, and I remember driving next to a a, a and it was like a you know kind of dawn uh, or it was really dusk. I'm sorry, and it was raining. And it was like slower moving traffic, get over to your right. And it's, you know, going down a highway at 65 miles an hour up a hill. I couldn't go up a hill unless I, you know, put some nitro in there and start start some turbo action that wasn't going to happen. So I had to get over. And then uh, the truck driver next to me got over. And and unbeknownst to me, there was a drunk driver behind me. And he hit me so hard that I really should have went underneath the truck and died. And... um, but by God's grace, uh, the truck driver uh, slammed on his brakes. I went on in front of the truck, and um, uh, my car was totaled, but I walk away without a scratch. And that really was probably, I would say, one of the lowest points for me. And I remember um, going, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I went to the hotel room, and I probably I had a credit card, and I could tell you the limit. And don't laugh out loud, because then the listeners will hear you. Well, my limit was three hundred dollars on this credit card, and that was a lot of money back then. Um, not that I'm old, but it was only three hundred dollars. And I remember <laughs> they were like, "All we have is this is this room, and it was going to cost seventy five dollars." That's almost a third of this <laughs> credit card. I was like, it didn't matter. I slapped it down because when you see death, um, all of a sudden things that are money and those things weren't important to me anymore and so as i thought about that what what became important to you at that point what became important for me that's a very loaded question Um, (laughs) i think you know what i realized is that money was very temporary i realized that you know life is very short and then i didn't think about i didn't have any like epiphanies or like hey what am i going to do with the rest of my life at that time but I just realized that that life is really short, and um, and and having to go, you know, it was kind of like because I had on one end I almost saw death, and then sandwiched between that was that my mom was about to see death, mm. and then so now here am I this kind of baloney, you know, sitting in the middle, <laughs> and really just having to deal with that, and That's I think that that really kind of. Um, that was really powerful for me. And I remember I made it to the hospital next day. And, well, I didn't go to the hospital. I made it to Chicago the next day. I was in Missouri when that happened. And my sister, she's uh, one year older than me. And she was like, threw a puff of smoke because she used to smoke those cigarettes. And she said, she was like, Alan, 
you're going to cry when you see my life. I'm not going to cry. I'm tough. I'm a man. I got three hairs on my chest. Uh, you know, it's like, there's no way I'm going to cry. And then she was like, oh, you're going to cry when you see my, when you see mom. So that next day we made it to the hospital. And this, this was probably the, the real low point there. Um, and I remember seeing my mom and she kind of perked up, but she was just like, uh, she was always, let's say pleasantly plump is probably the, uh, you know, had a long hair and all of a sudden she didn't have, a, uh, you know, the hair, her hair was gone because of chemo and radiation treatments. Um, she was very skinny. So that kind of led to me really kind of thinking about like, wow. And then I remember I just couldn't handle it. I remember grabbing a box of Kleenex and that um, the night before when I was in Missouri, I had, um, I remember reading my Bible and I remember praying it. And I remember reading a story about Peter wanting to walk on the water. And Peter looked at, you know, looked at the Lord and took his eyes off the, the water. And because the water was, um, uh, there was a huge storm and Peter just started sinking. And he started saying, Lord, save me. Well, that next, a couple of days later, here was I, you know, grabbed a box of Kleenex, standing outside of this hospital in Cook County, Illinois, oh, Cook County Hospital in uh, Chicago, Illinois, crying, like something I haven't done since I was uh, very um, young. And I'm saying, Lord, if Peter can say, save me, all I'm asking to do is help me. And as I walked back in that hospital room, my mom said two statements that really probably changed my life um, and those statements. And I think we all have those moments where kind of like, you know, those critical points where somebody can say something to you that can have a life altering uh, effect. And she said uh, two statements. One, as I was coming back in the room and I'm trying to, you know, stop crying and wiping off my glasses and all these things. She said, she said, you okay? And I was like, what do you mean I'm okay? She said, y'all boo-hooing and crying. And now I'm like, wait a minute, now you're like getting on my pride here. You, you, know, you can't <laughs> be saying this. And she was like, she said, yeah, you're all boo-hooing and crying. She said, look, I never cried, never asked the Lord why me. She said, all I know is this, the Lord didn't bring me this far to leave me. And that was like a, you know, a slap for me. I was like, whoa, hold on. And then she said, um, she said one other thing and, um, that later on after her arm was amputated and, and, uh, and she had that surgery. She said, uh, "She said, look, she said, um, I made a lot of mistakes in my life. Don't look at my life as an example of what to do, but look at Christ. And I was like, whoa, I had her in this unfair fishbowl because before she went to prison, I was like, oh, you're this Christian. You know, you're supposed to be living your life a certain way. And and um, she didn't live her life in a way in which I thought because I was like, oh, you know, you're, you're just a b bunch of hypocrites in church. <laughs> so oh. I, I know better now. Um <laughs> So I really put her in this unfair fishbowl, but that fishbowl was shattered because I was really looking at the wrong thing. And that kind of led me to kind of like say, you know what, I can't look at, at my mom. I need to have something that's outside of myself, and I really need to look at uh, my Savior. So that really became kind of like this quest. And for me, it was, um, like I said, it wasn't a sudden change. It was just a very slow, systematic thing because when I, um, after her funeral in June, I got back to um, Edwards. That's when I found out I was going to cross train. I uh, was really excited to get into calm, get off that flight line with maintenance, and uh, <laughs> I'm just going to stop right there. Uh, get out of get out, <laughs> get out of maintenance, and so um, I was in calm. And then the, the functional manager made a mistake, and so instead of going to uh, Mountain Home, Idaho, I went to, back to Edwards Air Force Base, and it was at Edwards Air Force Base that was. 
just uh you know i couldn't go um i was actually on uh shift work <laughs> and i couldn't believe it and i was like i couldn't go to church sunday morning so i went sunday night and it was really just for me it was a very slow process of um of um, probably changing from the inside out and really that's kind of have, have that's been my thing it's like um some people when they come to me and they're like oh chaplain you know i have this faith background or i'm here and i i really don't want to be here in life how can i get somewhere else and i and i know it's a it's a really slow process and i've i've been there i've wore the uh, miserable shirt so i tell people it's it's not sometimes it's not the leaps and bounds you know we've heard the quote of a a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step but sometimes that step is the hardest step and so having you know kind of kind of been in that in that situation where you're like i can't even think about taking a first step of of being able to take that first step and then sometimes taking the next step and but those first two steps are, are sometimes the hardest steps that you can take in life and so for me that's what it was and that's when i got called to preach i met my my beautiful wife who was a widow and uh and um and she had the three boys uh, but before that i took care of my sister from the time that she was 16 um, till she was 18 and so I, I became a single parent a very difficult life there and um, having to raise her she was living in a group home in Chicago she had a lot of things from the verbal abuse that she had gone through that we all, all experienced and I think for me it's just kind of looking back and I think when you um, asked me earlier it's like how do you kind of like get over these things I don't want to say get over is probably not the best term it's like how do you process these things um, how do I take something that was in my past that was so traumatic and um, and make it so that I can kind of like not have this hinder me down? Um, I guess it would be kind of like a a, a defender carrying that, <laughs> the rucksack, you know. Sometimes I think life gives us a rucksack, you mm. know. I think we all have rucksacks from our past. Well, thank you. Thank you, Chaplain Finley. And this is Truly Tales with Chaplain Finley. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Hello everyone, welcome back to Thule Tales. I'm your host, Ivana King. At this time, uh, with Chaplain Finley, we're going to go ahead and start accepting calls. So if you have any questions or any comments that you would like to make, just tune into uh, 3111 and we will be waiting for your call. Uh, while we wait for those calls, Chaplain Finley, what would you say of the experiences that you've had in your life? Have, have you been able to apply now? as a chaplain? I think this uh, experience is a great question, by the way. I think those experiences really has um, helped me as a person to kind of sometimes process to have uh, a sense of empathy when someone has gone through something and they haven't been able to process it the same way that I have. And so it helps me to be able to kind of walk alongside of people when they're going through a difficult time. And I think also, um, I understand when people come in and I get to talk to them, I'm always curious to hear their story. Mm. I'm always curious to hear, hey, how are you processing things? For me, as you know, I was pretty um, adamant. I was pretty upfront to say that faith was a big part. But then for those that don't have faith, I kind of help them kind of see, hey, how can you process this? What's going on in your life that you need help with? And um, that's why we have great resources. Of course, the Air Force spends a lot of money to try to uh, increase our, really, our own well-being and 
um, whether that's mental, that's uh, spiritual, that's emotional. And so we have those resources. So sometimes I, I say just take the time to use those resources. Thank you. Thank you. That's very well put. Um, are there any areas of your life that you feel you're still processing? Of course. I'm always growing. Uh, that's, a, that's a good question because there are times of, that um, I look back and or I go through as a chaplain, we go through uh, very difficult things. And as we go through those difficult things, I have um, become very deliberate on how I process um, because we're exposed to trauma. And um, it's just like if you were going to a, you know, like a defender going to a scene and say that young airman had to respond to a, say, a domestic violence or something that was um, ended in a, in a life, somebody passing away. Those images, those things are still um, in your mind. And if you don't learn how to process it, if you don't learn how to get the tools to process that, that can be kind of a life-altering thing. And so, um, so yeah, so I will say that I probably have a system to process rather than things that I'm processing, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. It does, thank you. Uh, your role as a chaplain is obviously to be there for us, you know, and be there for the airmen and just whoever comes to you. What? Who's there for you? Who's your support system? Uh, very good. I always have a support system. So, of course, uh, you know, I, besides God, that's, that's obvious. It's always number <laughs> one. And then um, my wife, of course, we have a support system you know, there's a mutual support system there that we have. Uh, we um, are very deliberate about working on our relationship and our communication. And then, um, but beyond that, I still have chaplains that I talk to. I have people that, um, I have one of my mentors who's in his 70s, and I just think this guy's the wisest guy in the face of the earth. And so he is, um, I keep up with him, and I keep up with uh, several others that are really just there so I can be Alan, and they could say, Alan, you have this going on in your life. Hey, this is what you need to do here. And so I think it's important for even the person that's a caregiver to have a caregiver caring for him or her. Oh, that's incredible. Thank you. Are there any, is there, let me, let me rephrase that. Is there any advice you would give out to airmen that may have gone through a similar experience as you have at a young age? Or? Yeah, and I would tell them that, hey, if you're under the sound of my voice on Thule's number one radio program <laughs> today, that, and if you've gone through something and you find yourself um, getting, whether it's in a relationship, a new relationship, or whether you go to a new job, and you've been stuck, and I think that's kind of what they look at, it's like you've been stuck, you haven't been able to process it, uh, whether, um, you know, some of those are can be obvious signs of like the way you try to uh, sometimes people try to self-medicate, and I'll just put it like that. <laughs> you know, that's a, a, mm. a big way. Um, sometimes they might not be able to sleep at night because they constantly think about this. Then maybe it's time to just to go get help. And it's and the thing is, is I think sometimes that we have made such a uh, a problem. Say, oh, if I go get help, that's you know, I'm I'm weak. But really, is if I went to the gym right now and. Um, I know how much you can deadlift uh, from uh, <laughs> from the strongest in the Arctic, um, and or is squat. Squat is your exercise, right? Yeah, but if I tried to squat as much as you you did um, while the strongest in the Arctic, I probably would need somebody to help me. I probably need someone to spot me. Hmm. And if I don't, if I'm saying, well, I'm just going to go to the gym and I'm going to carry this huge weight, this physical weight, without a spotter, it's probably not the best thing. And so um, it's probably not the safest thing. And that's probably sometimes in life, even though we 
physically we could see that we need a spotter mm -hmm. but sometimes emotionally spiritually mentally we don't see that we need a spotter and so getting the spotter is really good and sometimes that spotter could be the implac sometimes it could be military one source sometimes it could be a chaplain um, and the chaplain's always here for you, uh, <laughs> two, two, <laughs> two, two, one, one. <laughs> and so, um, but it could be, and sometimes it's, it's just a best friend, but it's being able to, you know, cope with something in a healthy manner. And there's just so many um, tools out there. And I think this is a great place um, for you to kind of just kind of take some time to say, okay, how am I going to um, be able to process these things? Great. Thank you. Thank you. During your time here at Tuli so far, has there been anything that you've learned more about yourself? Since we have more time to think and more time to spend with ourselves, really. Wow, she's getting all up in my chili today. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think one of the things that I learned about myself, um, I think the quarantine has really taught me something. Uh, the first quarantine, I, I enjoyed it to no end. The sun was out. I was able to kind of like, but you know, coming from having to try to PCS, going cross country, move the family cross country. Mm. It was the first time that I ever got paid just to sit in my room and think. And just to kind of like, it was kind of, so I took that as a spiritual retreat. Well, the second time I was like, oh, no problem. This is gonna be great. I had all my books lined up. I had everything lined up and it was dark 24 seven. And mm. I'm a creature of habit, I know this. And so it took me a while to kind of figure out how do I kind of like, when do I turn on the happy light? When do I not turn on the happy mm -hmm. light? When do I get up? When do I read? When do I do this? And so it really, I, I found out one of the um, biggest things in my life is I love the sun. Right. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I think that ball of fire is there for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm really looking forward to, uh, <laughs> to the sun. <laughs> So, um, and I think, I, so I, I saw myself and I was, um, so I had to reach out to one of my chaplain friends and I said, man, this, uh, this quarantine hasn't been good for me. And then he said, look, he said, if you have all these resources and he, you know, kind of said, um, he, he's a good friend of mine, so he could speak mm -hmm. um, candidly to me. He said, think about other people that do not have the resources or maybe the experience that you have. Um, so that's why I said, yeah, I realized that the dark season, um, it's it's been great you know and sometimes now I'm in a routine so now I have it down but it took me it probably took me the better part of 10 days in quarantine of the 14 to, to get that routine down so yeah wow okay well is there anything else you want to say to your audience all right anything else I want to say to my audience oh we have a caller we have a caller yes go ahead Hello, caller. You are tuning into Tuli Tales. What's your question? Well, thank you, sir, Colonel Hanson, for calling <laughs> in to the number one radio broadcast in <laughs> Team Tuli. Um, I, I would say for the people that are coming up here, it's really to make the most of their experience. I think they also should be able to um, have someone that can speak real into their life to say, hey, if you're going up there and if the dark season, you, you know, the dark season is going to happen, have somebody that you could be very just, that's probably at stateside, maybe a friend that, that can just kind of have some checkup questions for you to say, hey, are you doing okay? Do you find yourself um, practicing or having um, unhealthy habits that are really causing you not to be resilient? 
and whatever that might be. Um, and then so kind of having like a snapshot of, of what you look like before you came up here, um, because one of the things that we do have up here in this, uh, uh, by God's grace, as I would say, a COVID-free environment mm. is that we get to do things that um, not a lot of people get to do is to be in a radio audience and and uh, or not radio audience, but just really be able to uh, be physically next to people and to communicate with people. So I would say just to have a snapshot before you come in to Thule, have someone that can be, whether it's a spouse, significant other, um, someone that can just kind of be in your life and ask you those tough questions when you're going through the dark season, when you're going through a tough time, to be able to reach back. From a resiliency standpoint, that's what I would say, sir. Thank right. you. Thank you, sir, for calling in. Likewise. Okay. That was our first caller. Thank you. <laughs> I know. We handled that well. A little technical <laughs> difficulties. We kind of fumbled the ball. Maybe that would be uh, Green Bay Packers uh, fumbling the ball and, and them losing. Because as a Bears fan, I hate the Green Bay Packers. And I know that there's some callers that might call in just because of that but that's okay that's my unpopular opinion and you cannot <laughs> change my mind <laughs> okay you guys that's it thank you for listening in on Tuli Tales we will be back next weekend at 1300 with our next episode Chaplain Alan Finley thank you wait wait hold what? on before we close out what? what do we plan on doing with this episode it's one thing just to have the episode oh, I thought we had right. bigger plans than that we do you guys we do so the goal is to make sure for those of you that haven't been able to listen to the live broadcast is to have all of our um, sessions and episodes recorded and placed on Spotify and on Apple Music so those will be available to you and to your loved ones so if you ever make it to the radio program and you're here in the in the audience or in a radio booth then your loved ones will be able to tune in and to hear all the the Thule tales that you have and if you want to come on the show please just contact uh, myself Chaplain Finley Sergeant Greco or Staff Sergeant Weaver and we will get you scheduled thank you for joining us and sharing with us today and we look forward to seeing you next week on Thule Tales